everybody to the Posting and Toasting Show. Uh, I am here today on my own. No Drew. Uh, he is out today. Couldn't get a, couldn't work a time together. So, uh, unfortunately, I'll be riding, I guess, solo as a host, but not really solo. Uh, I am on today with a very special guest. Uh, you all may know him as Buddha. I also know him as Buddha. Um, I actually just found out his real name today. So, uh, without further ado, welcome Buddha. Uh, thank you, you know, it's an honor to be here. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, I make enough of a good impression that, uh, you know, I replace Drew as the co-host. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have Budam on. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, first, we wanted to discuss the Portland Blazers offseason uh, because it was a pretty interesting one, even if it was a bit low-key. Uh, and we will also be talking about Jeremy Lin. And he had a whole thing this week uh, that I guess it kind of went viral, uh, reaction to struggling to get a contract um, as a free agent, and I think he kind of is facing his basketball morality, and uh, it's hard, I guess, but a lot of people had takes on his take, so uh, I wanted to have Budam on, because Budam has takes. I got all the takes. Right. Bad. <laughs> okay, well, first, before we get started, I want to, I, I need to find, how did, where, where did Budam come from? Because, okay, uh, it's like, you, if you want to tell people your real name, and then, you know, you can explain um, All right. Uh, all right. Well, Budum is like a very, it's a very lame origin story. It kind of came, uh, like, from nothing in particular. Like, the person who came up with it, like, didn't, like, they called me Budum and didn't realize they were the one that came up with it. Like, essentially, or my real name's Alexander. Um, for, like, a week, I went by, like, Xander in middle school. And for yeah, some reason, I hate Xander. I hate that. Yeah, I mean, it lasted. I, I kind of liked it, honestly. I thought Xander was pretty cool, you know. Um, but you know, now I just kind of put up a thing called Buddha, I guess. Um, but uh, so for like a week, I was called Xander. Just one kid randomly was like, called me like, uh, just in a funny voice from like Xander bottom jeans, like mocking. I mean, this is just a suit story. Mocking uh, <laughs> apple bottom jeans, you know, the song uh, apple bottom jeans that uh, boots with the fur. Yeah, I, looking, uh, yeah. Everyone was looking at her. I, um, I am familiar with that song. So, so you know, the nickname started off as Xander Bottom Jeans, which again doesn't really mean anything. Uh, and then, and then Xander Bottom Jeans became uh, Xander Bootum or just Xander Bottom. Eventually, it was just fully Xander Bootum. Then the Xander was dropped. It was just Bootum. And yeah, there we are, Bootum. I mean, a lot of my friends call me Boot too. Um, How many friends? Do you have like two friends? Yeah, I have like two friends. Um, all both are from the internet. Uh, you know, that's good, tough, man. It's, it's a, a different, life, it's a different you know? world. It's a different world. I mean, you go you up to someone and you like <laughs> shake someone's hand and you say, "My name's Budum." You know, it's hard. It's hard to you know make friends, and that's really it's a tough life. Like I I'm go up to like, hey, hey, like you, I, you don't you don't introduce yourself as Budum, though, right? You're just like I'm out. No, no, I I keep that under wraps as long as as long as possible. <laughs> All right. The issue is, uh, the issue is, uh, you know, my Snapchat username is Dubudum. So, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I'll, you know, I'll like give someone my, you know, mean, maybe perhaps a lady will be hitting it off. And then it's like, I got to tell them that, uh, my username is Dubudum. And then it's like, oh, you know, uh, yikes. What's your IG? Uh, Alexander Cohen underscore. If anyone wants to drop a follow. Yeah, there you go. Uh, trying, I'm just trying to get your cloud up on all four yeah. social media. Yeah, you know, this is what it's all about. It's all about the cloud. You think I care about, uh, Jeremy Lin and the Trailblazers? I was trying to get that, uh, cloud, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you definitely came to the right place. Um, that's the yeah, popular podcast on the internet. Yeah, it's, it's a phenom. This is it's the Woj Code, over. right? It's the Woj Code. Yeah, it's the cool. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> well, now that we got, you know, now that the audience is familiar with, yeah, now origin, they're logging off. They're like, all right, listen to something else. Yeah, they're like, wow, these guys fucking suck. Um, 
yeah, anyway, look, let's just get into it. Uh, so, uh, what well, was it earlier this week? Maybe, I don't even, I think it was earlier this week or maybe last week. Um, the Blazers, they gave CJ McCollum a big extension. Uh, they added another three years, 110, 100 million, I think, maybe, to his contract. I don't know the exact figures, but ultimately he's now on a five year, $157 million contract. Um, all, all, all totaled up. So, um, that's, you know, that's Porzingis money. Um, and, you know, that, you know, I guess it's interesting in that, uh, they also gave Damian Lillard the Supermax ex- extension earlier in the summer. Um, so, you know, for a long time, I think we could say that, you know, I think CJ McCollum has probably been throwing more fake trades on the internet than anybody else in the fucking NBA. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that they <clears throat> are now, you know, fully committed, really. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it to this backcourt, which, you know, look, they got to a Western Conference Finals, so that's pretty good. Um, we can quibble about the details, about their path and all that shit, but they did get there. Um, so clearly it's not, you know, a dead end necessarily. Um, but there's not a lot on the roster. Other than that, and I know you had some thoughts about, um, I think as you put it, that they're cowards. Was, I, don't know, oh, I think that might have been uh, your reaction in the in the Slack. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to have you on to kind of talk about that because um, I don't know if I agree with you. I have very mixed. I go back and forth on how. I don't I know if I agree with me. Um. Well, I don't know. I don't really think they did anything that wrong this off season. I think in general. They've just been very comfortable. I mean, I, these have been annoying me for a while now. They just run it back every single year. And, you know, I mean, I guess they made it this year to Western Conference Finals, but that was like kind of by accident. Um, no, I don't know. That's, that's unfair, I guess. But, uh, no, they I just feel lucky. like in general. They got lucky. Right, yeah, like, right. they're, what was their path? Were they, 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 it was the, the Thunder who suck with like Paul George who had like one shoulder. And like, you know, and then it was the Nuggets who like really weren't as good as the record was like by the end of the season. And then, is that, then who, is that it? How, how did the playoffs work? They play after yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, so yeah, that's not that. I, I could do that. Um, so like, I mean, I know, it's not, it makes it will be able to do that next year. So yeah, for sure. Um, but it's just that like, it's not, it's not like they did anything wrong. You know, I, it's just that giving like, I'm not saying they shouldn't have given CJ McCollum that money. I don't even think they did anything wrong this offseason. In fact, trading for Sun Whiteside is like the first, you know, like biggest thing they've done, even though Whiteside kind of sucks. It's just that like they, they just keep running it back and it's just like it's kinda like that fake uh definition of insanity thing, you know? It's like yeah. it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. And like I mean personally, I just think every team that potentially had the chance to go for Anthony Davis and didn't is, is kind of a coward. And like, like, I don't know, maybe they did, but like, I mean, like, like you said, CJ McCollum is like the most put in trade rumors ever. But cause the truth is he should be traded. Just like, it's not like he's bad. It's just that Lillard McCollum obviously isn't going to go anywhere. I mean, that's kind of another discussion. You know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, perennial like five and higher seat or whatever. It's just that like, that's not doing it. If I were there, I would have, uh, you know, I, I was just trying to like make a big play, you know, go, go for it a bit, you know, like, like they're really sitting back thinking to themselves like, all right, this is our year. Like Hassan Weiss is going to push us over the edge. Like we're better than the Clippers. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'd blow it up. It's just, it's just, they're just kind of lame is all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, and I'm looking at their fucking roster right now and. Man, their wing, their wing situation is pretty depressing. Um, oh yeah, they uh, lost uh, Yeah, so they let Aminu walk this summer. They traded nice. Harkless, and like, like really they might worse. yeah, they might. I, I, that's something we'll talk about. But um, you know, so they let both of their wings go. Like, don't even. I guess they're both like they're kind of their big wings combo forward types. So uh, their combo forward now, their combo forwards now. As things stand, are uh, Anthony Tolliver, who is 
okay. Like he's fine, but you know, I mean, he's a downgrade. He's a definite. He's a definite downgrade from Aminu, um, and arguably Harkless, um, who probably you know, I think his defense is a little bit unheralded. I guess you could say. Um, <clears throat> they also have um, our one true king, Mario Hazonia. Yeah, true. Yep. Once a Nick, always a Nick. And they also have Nasir Little, uh, who they drafted in the first round this year. Pretty decent value pick, but, uh, probably not a guy that's gonna, <laughs> you know, do much for you this year. And, uh, I, and then, you know, I think their other big play was they basically just swapped bad contracts with Atlanta. So they traded Evan Turner's shitty contract for Kent Bazemore's slightly, slightly shittier contract. They're both expirings. Bazemore just gets paid more. Um, they brought back Rodney Hood. They, yeah, I mean, that's really about it. I guess they signed Thomas but who the fuck cares about just, that? Like, they're just lame. I don't care about, like, uh, any of this, you know? Like, like none of that is that bad, you know? It's all fine, you know? Like, like, like I think someone said it perfectly in a tweet that it's like Kent Bazemore for Evan Turner is like the most depressing trade ever. It's because it's like, it was like a bad contract, a bad contract. What? There's like nothing to discuss about it, right? Yeah. There's, there's like, you know, this, that's just the way, like that, that's, like, that's my issue. Like they didn't even do anything wrong this off season. It's just like the biggest thing they've done in the past, like three years was trade for Yusuf Nurkic, you know, like there's pretty, uh, yeah, and he's like he was pretty good. He was pretty good last year, but I mean, really, really all they could year. do is hope that, uh, like, I mean, Anthony Simmons, 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 Bill yeah, Simmons. They're really high on him, though, from what I've right? everything. Yeah, I've so I mean, that's really what they just gotta do is just hope that one of those guys around becomes good, I guess. But like, they just kind of just run in. Like, I don't know. You're, you're not winning anything this season with Colm as your second best player. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the real main issue. And then also, you know, you're getting to the point where like, like Lillard and McCollum, they're not old, but they're not young. Um, yeah, I mean, Dame I don't know just should... turned twenty. Oh, oh. Dame just turned twenty nine. Uh, McCollum will be twenty eight in September. So you know, you're looking at, you know, you're locked into these guys now from basically through. Age 32 for McCollum and age 33 for Lillard. So, you know, they're not going to be fossils by the end of it, but it's, that's your roster. And I guess, I guess my question is, so you were saying, you know, they should have gotten into the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, but like, you know, realistically, do you think they they probably didn't have the juice to make that deal? They could have like, you know, maybe thrown together like, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I didn't, there weren't really any rumors about them. Maybe they tried, but they could have at least, you know, I would have liked to see, uh, that they like attempted to give up like McCollum, Collins, and like Simons to, to, you know, like, I don't know. But I mean, they're, I mean, they're probably just screwed. Cause I mean, who's training for, who's giving up anything of value really honestly at this point anymore for 27 year old CJ McCollum? Like I'm not even, I can't even like critique what they did this summer that much, even though I said the Davis thing earlier. Like, like, I mean, I just would have liked to see them try to do something, but it's probably too late now. Like, it, like I was mad at them last summer too. Just like, just, uh, like, I don't know. I'm really, really the only move you could get to get a lot of value would probably be just trade Lillard and blow it up to try again. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, realistically, they're not going to do that, right? I think they, well, yeah. basically, so, <clears throat> so, I, I'll be shocked. I, I know that, you know, they said this about Ross too, like, oh, it's a thunder for life. And obviously now we're sitting here two years after he signed that extension, and he's gone. He's on Rockets. But with the Lillard, I don't know. It does feel a little different. But, um, you know, I guess I guess the biggest thing is, and, you know, this is something that I thought about a lot before this summer as a Knicks fan, was just like, you know, if you don't get guys this summer, right, um, like th- this was the summer, you had a chance to get stars. Um, and you know, it's not like the end of your franchise if you don't get them. And you know, we don't need to have that conversation, but, um, you know, it, for teams like in Portland spot, and I think what you're saying is mostly like they're kind of in this position where they're a good team. 
you know, there's no denying it. They're a good team, but you know, like, does being good at some point get boring? And um, you know, they're, they're kind of like the Raptors were before they traded for Kawhi. Uh, probably worse in terms of their surrounding talent, but you know, kind of like in terms of just banging your he- head against the like uh, against the ceiling. It, it's it's just happening all the time. And what are your avenues to improve aside from you know hoping Anthony Sim- Simons blows up and you know maybe Zach Collins takes a leap it's like Nazir little does stuff like it, it's not super inspiring um but I, I guess my question is it, it kind of is like, similar to the Raptors like right it, they're kind of like the rap you know the, it's they're kind of like if the Raptors ran it back with DeMar DeRozan again which would just be like stupid you know I mean DeRozan and Pirtle isn't really a fair trade for Leonard but I mean maybe it kind of was because they only had it for a year obviously Anthony Davis wouldn't stay in Portland, but it's kind of like the quiet question, like, you know, maybe just go for it to have a year of him and at least have a chance to do something because there's just going to be a treadmill team for like the next three years. Maybe that's fine. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your question. No, 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 it's cool. I I mean, what I was thinking, what I was saying is though, is like, you know, after, and all these stars, so many stars have sort of moved, right? Like even like all the free agents, obviously Butler went to Miami, Durant and Kyrie went to, uh, what was it? Williamsburg. Um, I believe that uh, Kawhi Leonard left the Raptors and went to the Clippers. Uh, but also, like, you know, we saw stars move in trade. You know, Paul George got traded to the Clippers also. And Anthony Davis, obviously, uh, got traded to the Lakers. And then uh, Russ got traded to the Rockets for, you know, for Chris Paul. So you kind of look around the league now and, you know, the only st- – there are obviously still a bunch of stars. It's not like the number of stars around the league changed, but it's like how many stars now are feasibly gettable in the next year, in the next two years, right? And, you know, the only one that really comes to mind is Bradley Beal. And, like, you know, I think Beal is better than McCollum, but does it matter? Like, even let's say you get Beal from McCollum, just straight up, you make that trade. How much better are you? Does it change your ceiling? And I think that's kind of like their problem is they, they clearly need, you know, let's assume Nurkic makes a full comeback, right? Cause Whiteside is obviously just being traded for to be like a stopgap for a year. Um, so let's say Nurkic makes a full, full comeback. Zach Collins develops into your, you know, a capable four and that can swing to the five. Um, you know, like who are your wings and how are you getting wings? And it's like you need a star wing. Probably a couple, at least to, you know, if nothing more, just just to have more star power uh, production and defense around a little Dame backward, which is, you know, that that's kind of like what Aminu and Harkless probably don't get enough credit for is how good they were defensively last year. Um, and so I guess, you know, if you were running, if you're, okay, so put on your, who's their GM? Fucking Neil O'Shea. Neil O'Shea. Okay. Okay. Architect yeah. of the Evan Turner and uh, Alan Crabb contracts. Well, I guess I guess genius Sean Marks was the architect of the uh, Alan Crabb contract. Correct. Just That's correct. Yep. Also, Myers Leonard that was Neil Olsey. Just a lot of great moves all around, really. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, if I was Neil Olsey, is, uh, is that the question? What I would? Yeah, do yeah. Now? What? What? what well, so I mean, this again, is, this like, is your roster. What do you? How are you? Like blowing it up is not an option. Okay, so like, let's say, like, so Dame is your franchise player. How are you, what are you doing here? How are you trying to make moves to get the right pieces around Dame? Honestly, kind of like Andrew Yang last night talking about, uh, the environment being like, it's 10 years too late. They probably should have been made, made the moves already. Like, they might be a little screwed. And really, the only thing to really do would just be try to package McCollum and Collins for something or Simmons. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's not really, at this current point in time, there's not really anyone that available besides, uh, besides like a Beal. Even Bradley Beal, I don't even know how available he is because the Wizards, he's kind of a guy where everyone kind of like makes him out to be available, but the Wizards never really seem like he's actually available. I mean, uh, it, it's tough. I, I, I would just say trade, trade the, like if you're really just trying to win, uh, I just did quotes, so I just can't see that because, uh, a podcast um but uh i i would 
like what's I mean, like you said, like Nasir Lil's not gonna help now. So like why even have him on the team? Just like trade him for uh Marcus Morris. Yeah. I mean I I think they will. I think they're they're a no brainer Marcus Morris destination in trade. Um <clears throat> Marcus Morris I think for Baysmore basically just works straight up. So, so even uh, then, obviously like but like Marcus, Marcus Morris is not going to put them over the top. Yeah, like I don't know. I mean, I I am he, not. He's like a like. A, so I I call them cowards this offseason, but there's not that much to really do at this point anymore. I just would have liked to see them at least be aggressive in some of these trades. As far as I know, they weren't. And I mean, I don't know. And okay. I'm mad at uh, Damian Lillard for saying that they don't have enough room to sign Melo when they could obviously just give him a minimum contract. Yeah, I mean. Uh-huh. Not that they should sign him. I'm just saying don't, you know, don't talk the talk and then not walk the walk. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I think what I'm thinking, if I'm them, I I would have my eye a year down the road, maybe two years down the road, and if Philadelphia does not get out of the East this year and Ben Simmons struggles again in the playoffs, that's probably the guy I'm I'm thinking about. Uh, if I can get him, how can I get him? Um, if Embiid stays healthy, that, 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 that's you know because if Embiid does, if if Embiid, Jason McCollum would be this like, yeah. No, I was just saying you know if if Embiid is healthy, then it's you know I don't think there's any any chance that uh, uh, it's just like if Embiid is healthy, then they're more willing to trade Simmons, right? Uh, yeah. So like that is the big wild card because I I think there's a world where like if they come up short again in the playoffs this year and Ben Simmons is you know sitting around on the fucking baseline and key possessions in the fourth quarter not doing anything because he can't fucking shoot um like the pressure will be dialed up the pressure is definitely it'll it'll tick up I don't I don't think they would pull the trigger next summer but it's like the summer after that again. Same kind of deal. Then, then you're, then you're talking. And like, you know, if you're Philly, CJ McCollum is, you'd be a really nice fit there, um, potentially. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a little bit far down the line. I just, I, I, again, like it's, it's hard though, because like we talked about, it's like you look around the league and it's like oh, so many fucking guys moved this summer and it's just hard to see what move is out there for them, if any. Like forget yeah. even stars, like what, what good, solid two-way wing players are you going to be able to find to fill out this roster in trade or whatever? Um, and I'm looking at their cap sheet here. Uh, it looks like they're pretty. I mean, it's not like they have a bunch of space. Uh, next summer they will have some. Um, they should have like I don't know, maybe twenty million or something like that in space next year. But you know, twenty million in a pretty barren market is not going to go anywhere. Um, and, you know, it just, it's tough. It's tough when you look at what they have going, um, to see where the answer comes from. Yeah. I mean, again, I think like the answer for the past few years would probably just been Tracy McCollum, but like at this point, he's kind of like fool's gold, you know, now he's 27. So he doesn't, you know, I never really think he had that, you know, obviously he's a good player, but like, you know, a few years ago, you could have said like, oh, you know, maybe it'll become something. But now at this point, obviously, like, it's just kind of like, you know, he probably is what he is. And now he's freaking making like, you know, 30 million a year or whatever. So, I don't know, they're just, uh, kind of screwed. They should, uh, I don't know, bring back, uh, Sheed and Damon Stoudemire, baby. (laughs) Uh, I guess another thing I wanted to talk about, and this isn't really necessarily directly about the Blazers, um, but it's something I've, always thought about and it was a reason why when we traded Porzingis I was like aside from anything on forget the on court you know we can debate how good is Porzingis how not good is he all day he sucks he's garbage and and to be fair Budim has always been much lower on Porzingis than many so uh, I I, I don't know that's I might just be an idiot but I have like always really loved Porzingis after those like first ten magical games uh, in his fake good season. 
know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, so much of winning in the NBA is about timing and like timing when you make moves and understanding when you're all in and when you're all in timing correctly when to yeah. make that final push. And, um, you know, it's the difference between Masai pulling the trigger on getting Kawhi last summer and Danny Ainge standing path all his assets, not getting Kawhi. And then a year later, <clears throat> both teams have lost stars from their roster, except one team won a championship, the Raptors. The other team lost in the second round. Um, it got smacked in the face by the Bucks. So, you know, again, timing is very important. Understanding where you are kind of in a team building cycle. And to tie that back to the Knicks, um, the reason I thought the Porzingis trade was interesting is you're about to enter a period where I think it, it seemed pretty obvious that like if you, if you sign Porzingis to that max contract, the pressure was on at that point to start filling in the roster around him and, and, you know, winning games. Like, that's the goal at that point is to win games. And, um, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, it, if you're still sitting there with like Tim Hardaway in your books, Courtney Lee in your books, and you're making moves this summer to fill in around Porzingis, presumably a lot of those contracts would be long term. What you really have to start asking yourself at that point is like, is Porzingis' ceiling high enough, right, to, to build a championship team around? And if not, what other like options will we have later on to fill in around him and to add another big piece? And uh, the reason I just found that trade so fascinating is because the Knicks essentially, you know, which, and they didn't end up signing two stars this summer, so, um, but they, you know, but like that was always a possibility. But, you know, when they made that trade, one of the possibilities was that they had pushed their timeline back to maybe three years, um, in terms of being able to field a competitive roster. And I always just found that interesting because I kind of understood the logic because even though I, I liked KP more than you, I, really, really struggle to see how he can be the best player on a championship team. Like, I, I very much struggle to see that. Um, even second best, I kind of struggle with. Third best, I can see. But um, either way, that that's not really... I just find it interesting, like, the concept of, you know, timing this stuff. And yeah. I guess, like, with the Blazers, I, I wonder if they, they missed their opportunity last summer, two summers ago, maybe this summer, to make a move with assets and try and trade for a star to put her along these guys. And I don't know. It's just interesting, I guess, to think about in terms of how that relates to the Knicks where, I mean, obviously the Knicks yeah. are in a very, very different place, but yeah. No, I mean, it definitely relates a lot. I mean, I mean, there's kind of two, uh, first let's talk about timing. I mean, one, the Knicks, I mean, the reason why Przingis is gone is because we fucked the timing because, oh, sorry, I'm allowed to curse on this, right? You're, you're allowed to fucking curse on this. It's my show. Are you fucking kidding me? That's freaking cool. Um, but yeah, we, we totally, uh, screwed the pooch on that one. Um, because like you're saying, the time to go in on Przingis was after the max the issue with, we got Przingis, we got a gem, but instead of, you know, growing like a normal team and then, you know, building through the draft, getting more young shirt. guys, we immediately try to build around old ass Mello. God bless him. And old ass Rose, fuck him. You know, and instead of, you know, that's been years we were getting like a top five pick. And, you know, I mean, the next year too, I, I think we, even then we went all in too much. I know you disagree with me on that, but like, if we just so didn't, that, what, am I, what, what, what do I disagree with you on? We talked about it earlier. Uh, just like that year with MV Porzingis, you know, that hot start. I oh, still yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. I understood, I understood the logic, but I was yeah. clearly wrong that, uh, yeah, the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract was not a good contract. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it right there. The, the whole issue with the, you know, if we just don't sign Hardaway, I mean, the Hardaway contract is screwed up for some reason. If we just don't sign Hardaway, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a great player, but he's, 
decent where you probably got us a, like a two or three wins. And that last year, uh, wait, what, what year is it? Yeah. Like not last 18. season before when Przingis was playing. If we didn't have Hardaway, yeah. yeah. If we didn't have Hardaway that year, uh, we would have lost a few more games. We could have had the second, the Kings lost two more games than us had the second pick. If we just did that, we, uh, would have had, you know, we would have had, we would have had Doncic and Przingis. Whether, you know, whether Max and Przingis is still the right move. Like the, the whole point is we just, we just kind of screwed up the timing by going all in on Przingis too early to the point where we are in the screwed up purgatory place where we have this great young guy. Damn, that's too high praise for Przingis. Um, no, I mean, he is a great young guy, but, uh, well, not a like as a shit, person. Though. Good. Yeah, yeah. He's like a good young player, <laughs> but with nothing to surround him, we had been making like these shitty, like fake playoff push teams around him instead of just like waiting it out and building it normally. And I mean, I think Perry is pretty much doing that. The issue is I think he just got fed up and he, he didn't want to wait any longer and his brothers are assholes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think basically what you're saying is that like, it wouldn't even matter if, if even if the roster was in exactly the same position that it was, but the contracts all, like we didn't have these shitty long-term contracts you could max Porzingis and still be able to like fill in a competitive roster around him. And, you know, it just gives you like, again, this goes back to like maintaining cap flexibility. Right. And, um, I don't know if Scott Perry is great at building a team yet. I have my own questions about that. What I do think he is good at is valuing cap flexibility and not throwing it away for like, you know, fucking, the Tim Hardaway Juniors of the world, who are like, exactly, they're fine enough NBA players, sure, but like, you know, is what's the difference between Tim Hardaway Junior, who's making, what, I think it's like sixteen and a half million, maybe seventeen and a half million, I think about yeah. per year, seventeen and a half, eighteen million a year, and I don't know, Jeremy Lamb who's making ten million a year, it's like, yeah. you know, Brian Jim Lamb is probably he might be better, I think he is better. Um and he's making eight million less a year, right? So that's like that, that over multiple contracts, right? The Knicks had Hardaway, they had Noah, they had Lee. Like you do that over enough contracts, and you know, yeah, to your point, like that's that is the problem. That was a problem. Like we went in, and that's something like you know, I'll hold the L on that. I thought signing Tim Hardaway Jr. made sense um, because I was like. I don't know. I just did not think that you could put Porzingis out there by himself. And, and I, I think maybe that logic was right, but you don't necessarily need to pay well, somebody four yeah. years, 71 million to, <laughs> to, to like help him out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I got my, my thing with that was at the time, like, I, I, I mean, like, I, like, I'm not looking back in hindsight. I mean, I really was thinking with that's the time. I mean, I get, I got that whole, I get that mindset of, you know, Przingis is already pretty good, so you don't want to like just leave him by himself. So he can get salty. But the whole point is, we we tried fake building around him, and then he's going to get salty anyway because they're mediocre, and that's you know that's what happened. Uh, so I mean, it's it's timing, and then like I mean, it's kind of just like I mean, like I mean, I I agree with uh, you and Scott Perry. This cap flexibility is so important, and you really just like can't go all in on that shiny object, whether that's like a, uh, actually a good player or like, like not to get like too hot takey and into the nets, but like, like the nets didn't do anything wrong this summer, but like, I still like, I think they're like shades of Portland trailblazers. Like, I don't think going all in on old Achilles Durant and Irving is, uh, you know, I don't think it's a championship team and maybe that's fine. But I mean, I really don't think that was a move for the Knicks. But I, it's, it's Nets, fine. Like, it's that, fine like, for the Nets. It's fine yeah, for the Nets because I still don't think that's like a championship team. It, Knicks, it made no sense. But like, it's just like, it's like, like it made sense for the Nets to do because they're like kind of like in win now mode. But they're still not gonna like they're still not a championship team. And like all of a sudden in 2021, like when you have all these free agents coming out again. Like, they may feel like a bit of idiots, like, with these old guys and, uh, all these new guys are, uh, out of yeah, the Yeah, I mean, the, like, the, the thing is, they, they won't even be a, a free agent draw then, because by then, 
Cat will be on our roster, and you know, exactly everybody will be dying to play with him and Mitchell Robinson. Well, you think we'll have Cat and Mitchell? We'll think you have we'll have Towns and Mitchell Robinson. Yes, yeah, just all the wingspan. Because Cat can't play defense. So what are we giving up for Cat? Uh, I was kind of just. I was just thinking like Kevin Knox and Frank. I was that not, Frank. You can't give up Frank for Cat. <laughs> uh, no, just to get back to this, I, yeah, but it's like it is. It is pretty interesting, and just you know, um, I, I guess maybe like the last three or four years of watching, like, it's like it's like every time we had cap space, we were so thirsty to add wins that we sign guys like like you know going back right, Robin Lopez, yeah. not a bad player at all, a good player, solid player. Uh, four years, fifty-two million. It's actually not a bad contract, but it's like, why are you tying yourself down to Robin Lopez, right? Like, yeah. what is what well, is I mean, the purpose here? And I, and you just keep going Ant through Thomas. the list. <laughs> yeah, Ant yeah. Thomas was a steal of a contract at the time, and that you know that's not really a good. Con- I mean, you just have to. I mean, the truth is, in the NBA, you need to have if you're going to be a championship team, that like top of money. Like, you need to have money to be able to get two top guys. And two top guys need to be, like, one needs to be, like, a top 10 player, and one needs to be, like, a top 20 player. If you don't have that, like, you're not going to win. So, like... Yeah, and it really helps if one of them is somebody that you develop from your own roster, just because that gives you yeah. an advantage going into free agency. Like, so just, like I don't know. It's just my point is, it's just script that you really need to have to actually win. You just Those top two guys really need to be... Like worth it, so you really just can't be affording to be giving these biggest contracts to. I mean, the, the Raptors were almost screwed for giving like Norman Powell like forty eight million. Like it's it's so tough in the NBA. Like you really can't be affording to give like any uh, screwed up contract. Yeah, I mean, you can probably get away with like one, and like like you said, Norman yeah. Powell. Like that's that's probably the level of one bad contract. Yeah, exactly. You can get away with. And yeah. he, like, and even then, like, he's a bad contract, but he's somebody that is bad because he's not really worth the contract he's on. But he's not, he's actually like, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was in their rotation in the finals. Right? Like, yeah, he's, not like, he's not a bum. Like, he's not like he can't play. He's just not worth his contract. So you can get away with that. But if you, if you give out one of these, like, you know, Noah contracts, I mean, that's basically it, man. That, that really yeah, is basically exactly it. Yeah. Like, it's just so important to maximize your cap space and it's hard to do but like that's why like I, I'm kind of a fan of the next offseason like I don't think they did anything earth shattering but they didn't like go for you know the shiny toy they went you know they keep their options open so they're not going to be screwed for when like a good guy worth extending for a while is you know available yeah I mean I think I think the biggest the best way to put it and this is something I just realized like a couple of days ago but you know, everybody, like, all the basic criticism is that why do they sign all these guys? They should have taken XYZ salary dump for a pick, right? And, like, that's fine. Uh, I don't even want to get into the specifics of that debate. But let's say that's a fact. Ultimately, the main reason why you would do such a trade isn't just for the pick, but it's also because all the, all the contracts that went out in such trades this summer, they all expired next year, right? You're not actually giving up any cap flexibility. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, it, it's just it, it's the Knicks just decided they were just going to sign a bunch of guys, but like again, they didn't give up. And the only guy they gave up flexibility for, I guess, is Randall, and like that's fine. Two years for him is fine. Like, I've been thinking more about. I'm thinking more about Randall recently. Like, I'm not even a big Randall guy, but, like, I really don't know how you could say the Knicks, like, you know, I don't know if you saw that thing where it's, like, the 20 executives said the worst move of the offseason was just, like, the Knicks offseason. Like, I mean, Julius Randall's, like, a young guy who's average, like, 20 and 8. Like, he's like he's pretty good. And his main issue is defense. You're putting him next to Mitchell Robinson. Like, like I mean, like, I don't know. That was, like, a pretty good move, honestly. Like, yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of – I mean, the thing that's crazy about that is that when Porzingis was a Nick, they were – I was, like, advocating the Knicks because I was actually of the mindset that the Knicks should be willing 
to punt on this year's free agency when Porzingis was here for the right kind of deals. And um, one of them at the time was, you know, let's get Julius Randle while he was still in the Lakers. Let's get him here. Let's eat. He could actually rebound. Yeah, and, and let's eat one of these shitty contracts they have, right, for Randall. And maybe they toss us a first or something. That, that was like my thinking at the time. Um, you know, but anyway, it is, I just think it's crazy. And Randall's from Dallas. I think it's really weird that they didn't make a, a play for him at all. Um, cause he would have fit really nicely with Porzingis and with Doncic. So I don't know. I'm happy they didn't. I'm happy the Knicks seem to move pretty quick on that because I do like his fit with Mitch. I do like the contract they signed him on. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's our thoughts on team building in the NBA. Um, uh, I don't know if any of that was coherent, what I said, but, uh, they were my thoughts. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, we're not here to be coherent. That's not what yeah. we're here for. Uh, um, we're here for the clout, baby. Doe, you'll boot them. Drop that follow, uh, boot em, boot em YouTube channel, uh, Subscribe to me on Reddit. I think you could do that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but before we go, uh, we do want to talk about Jeremy Lin. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm sure that most people listening to this, all, you know, seven of you and, uh, Budum and basically anyone. My, that my mom's me. listening. Oh wow. That's really nice. Actually, actually probably not. Mrs. Budum. She promised, but. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt she's going to get this far into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, um, yeah, so Jeremy Lin was in Taiwan. He was addressing a Christian group. Uh, I think it was like a speech about perceiving through adversity. Um, and, you know, he just kind of teared up. He, he really, you know, bared his emotions for everybody to see. Talked about how it felt like he had hit rock bottom this summer because he, he what he said is that every time he thinks he hits rock bottom, it keeps getting worse. Um, so basically, Jeremy Lin hasn't signed with an NBA team this summer. Hasn't, at least from anything I've seen, doesn't seem like there's much interest at all for him out there. Um, so I don't know. I guess really the question is, how do you feel about this kind of stuff? Like, because I saw a lot of takes where, I mean, there were a lot of people that were sympathetic to it. Then there were a lot of people that were like, dude, shut the fuck up, you know? Um, and then there was also, I mean, maybe this is just like a Nick's Twitter thing, but there were a bunch of people that were like, man, it's crazy seeing all these people be sad for Jeremy Lin and sympathetic to Jeremy Lin, but then they'll just clown mellow. So, I don't know, there's a lot to unpack there. It's kind of interesting that, yeah. it's pretty interesting that Lynn and Mello seem to be in very similar points in their career in the same summer, yeah. given everything that happened. Um, I don't know, what, do you have thoughts on, on this? Or? I, I got some, I got some thoughts. Uh, I mean, I think the, the correct take, this is the one true take, um, I don't know, that, I, I just think that like, I mean, I don't think Jimmy Lee's an asshole. I think he's, you know, a human being. I just think that obviously, if you look at it from an objective point of view, you know, like people are saying, you know, he, he has a Harvard education. He got to be in the NBA for 10 years. He made $64 million from being good for like 15 games. And I mean, he was a decent role player. But, uh, you know, like objectively, there's nothing really to be upset about. But obviously, if you're a human being, I mean, Hey, you gotta realize these people are people. You're not gonna be happy about not being able to keep playing. You know, you wanna play forever. Especially Jeremy Lin, especially, who, you know, he was, you know, all, all of a sudden it seemed like he was a star and all his career he was just trying to get back to that. And then even on the Nets, I mean, people don't really talk about, it. he was really good on the Nets. The issue was, like, I already, like, I, like, I like Jeremy Lin, but the thing is, like, I'm not even sad for him now. I'm already, like, I already was sad for him. The thing is, like, he was good on the Nets for those 30 games. The issue is he's, he's been so injury prone. I mean, really, Jeremy Lin's, like, retirement was, like, last season when he got hurt a game into the, 
year. I mean, that was the end of Jeremy Lin, like, being a productive uh, role player right there. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's tough. Like, I, I, I know what you're saying. I get where he's coming from. And then it's like, yeah, but you made $65 million in your career, so what the fuck are you talking about? It's just there's a lot of stuff going on there, and I don't know. I I, I guess, like, I, I don't – I mean, look, people feel how they feel. You know, who am I to say Jeremy Lin should suck it up or whatever? I, I'm not here to say any of that. I don't care. To be honest, like, there's a lot of stuff that NBA Twitter gets – finds a way to be have a take on in late July and into August – um, that I'm amazed by, but, um, you know, I, I just, I do, I do find it interesting that there has been such a widespread kind of sympathy for Lynn and that's, I, that's awesome. That's really cool that like, you know, there are, we're kind of at a place maybe in sports fandom that, <clears throat> that we are able to be empathetic towards these millionaires and understand that like there are times where they're just people right um i'm I'm cool with that but i do understand the sentiment of like look if we're gonna be so sympathetic towards jeremy lynn like how did mellow become this fucking joke so fast well yeah i mean uh, i'll give my my take on i mean i i really truly hate how uh, i mean mellow's my boy and he's definitely not a perfect boy you know like but uh he I mean, there's so many similarities between him and, like, I do think it's, it's screwed up how much hate Melo gets. I mean, a lot of the things that you feel bad, there's so many similarities that, like, you know, people, you know, because they hate Melo, they won't, like, look at it. I mean, the reason why Jeremy Lin is screwed up is because he got hurt. Like, people forget Melo has had knee injury. Like, it's kind of a similar thing. They're both kind of old. And, you know, they've had a lot of two knee surgeries back to back years. Actually, and three. He had, like, and he had that shoulder thing when Kevin Garnett tore out his thing. So, I mean, he's he's been through it. And the other thing is, obviously, people are like, he hasn't changed his game. I mean, I mean that. I mean, that's a little bit true. But at the same time, like, I think he honestly did change his game a bit with the Thunder and Rockets. Like, he did take more of a lead back role. The issue is just that he's old and kind of sucks now. That's kind of it. Um, but the other thing is, like, the one thing, like, I, my one like tweet take on this was it, it does get me annoyed when like. You know, like someone on the Lynn side would be like, oh, it's different because like Mello won't accept his role. You know, one, one I, you know, I, I think he has a bit, but you know, Jeremy Lynn's had the same reason why Jeremy Lynn had so many issues after New York was largely because he too couldn't adjust off the ball. You know, so he's, yeah, he's yeah that was, that was a big with, problem for him in Houston. Um, and in LA. I mean, it's kind of screwed up that he couldn't play alongside Kobe Bryant and James Harden, you know. That, yeah. like he couldn't he couldn't fit around them. I mean I'm not like you know, I mean obviously a point guard is I mean, I don't know. But I mean at the same time, it is kind of surprising to me how little like it's not really the point we're talking about, but it is surprising that he hasn't gotten any interest because I thought he was like he, he he sucks at defense, but he was pretty good on offense on the the Hawks. It's the issue is when he came to the Raptors, his uh all of a sudden he like stopped making threes. I mean, it wasn't that big a sample size. It's obviously like the Raptors as a championship team, you're not going to like be playing a guy who hasn't, who's been struggling during the playoffs. Like he was pretty good with the Hawks as a backup point guard. I'm surprised like no one's He was playing though at all. the Hawks, right? Yeah. Like sometimes it's, sometimes it's hard for like, if you go from like some, there are guys that can just come in no matter what and hit shots. But then there are sometimes that guys like, you know, because he wasn't playing much with the Raptors. Um, like, and I think what happens is he's playing at first, just like he won on an insanely cold streak from three, so he's just like kind of ineffective on offense. But I don't think you know that was like the real him. I mean, I don't know on on the Raptors. I mean, on the Hawks for the first fifty one game of the season, he averaged per thirty six twenty points, six and a half assists, and on uh Sixty true shooting percentage. I mean, that's like really solid backup point guard numbers. Wait, that was it's this. A, that was this year. That was this year. Yeah, people like, like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm reading these numbers right. That was a, the issue. Was he came to the Raptors? All of a sudden, he shot uh, 
he saw 11 for 55 on threes. Like, he just couldn't make a three. So, all of a sudden, he was, like, ineffective as hell So on offense, along with being a defensive liability. So, like, you know, why play – you know, you're the Raptors. You'd rather compete for a championship. You know, why – you know, you, you can't really be afford to be giving him, like, chances. Kind of like the Nuggets with uh, Isaiah Thomas. Though. I mean, he's trying to be sucks. Like, he did have a 62 shooting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was a really solid offensive player off off the bench, I thought. Like, I mean, with the other thing in the NBA, again, kind of not really on the whole, like, I don't know if it's exactly on topic, but, uh, I mean, it's just harder to stay in the NBA, you know? Like, it, the, the league just gets better every year. It just seems like more and more there's these guys that you, you hear about that, like, I feel like a few, like, I feel like a few years ago, Lynn, Crawford, Mello, like, they might have all been signed by now. Like, not, like, I don't mean, like, a younger Mellow Lynn. I mean, like, in a previous NBA. Like, there's kind of, like, just, like, less chances that teams are going to be giving roster spots to these guys that, like, aren't, like, you know, it's kind of like I've seen before about maximizing your capsules and maximizing your roster. Like, what are you really gaining that much from playing, uh, like, an old, uh, decrepit guy like that? Like, I don't know. No, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, fuck, I I didn't realize he was playing that well in Atlanta. At least he wasn't. I didn't realize he was scoring that efficiently. It wasn't really leading to great success for Atlanta, obviously. But I mean, I don't know what the fuck was going on there the first half of the year. Maybe <clears throat> I, I I don't. I can't claim to be an expert on the Hawks. It's possible that the issues were not Lint related. So um, that is pretty interesting. I. I don't know. Uh, maybe I think teams are perhaps a little less inclined to just give guys with names continuous chances. But then again, like Rajon Rondo still gets contracts every year. Um, you're talking about there how you know, there's no space for these guys in the league anymore, and it's it's something that you know I think it just speaks to like where the league is going now, and you know it's not just that guys are so athletic. But because the floor is getting spaced out so much and because teams are pushing the tempo, it seems, more and more every year, like, the workload these guys have to play through is nuts. It's it's increasing every year. So, like, when you have one, two, three, whatever, knee, knee issues, whatever issues, and especially, like, when you're getting late in your career, like, those are those really, really hurt. They really suck, and they're really hard to come back from. And still be effective, at least at the same level, anyway. And it's like, you know, Perry has talked, like, I, I don't, I feel like since Perry came in, all he's talked about is like, we need to get more athletic, we need to get more athletic, we need to get more athletic. And it's like, you know, for better or worse, you know, obviously skills still matter, right? Being a skilled player still matters. And that is something that I, I wonder about sometimes with, him and Mills, but, uh, I do agree that like, like, you know, the Knicks are so long. It's been such a subpar athletic team. And, you know, even now I'm not sure we're like some elite athletic team, but you look up and down the roster they created and it's like, look, they're, they're not going to get like, I mean, there were games I, I remember watching over the last few years where you're just like, you know, you just got out athleted and, yeah. I, I think that like that's kind of where the problem is for some of these guys like Lynn and Mello and Crawford. Crawford is just old; he can't move anymore. Um, but Mello's hurt. Like Mello, Mello's mobility went down real quick after that knee injury in 2015-16. And Jeremy Lynn has had, like you mentioned, that knee injury he had in Brooklyn was. It seemed to, you know, whether right or wrong, obviously he seemed like he was still balling out pretty nicely in Atlanta, but, you know, it just seems like teams aren't willing to, to roll the dice, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, injuries just suck. I mean, the Clippers are probably the number, you know, the number, number one team in the NBA. Kawhi and Paul George are great, but just those two guys alone aren't even like the same as it could have been without, if they hadn't been hampered by injuries. Like Kawhi hasn't been the same defensively after uh after you know his whatever he had with the Spurs yeah and yeah, Paul George is is isn't athletic as he used to be I mean they're still very good like I was watching like the uh 
I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm going too off topic, but like, I, you know, I was watching like the 2012 Olympics the other day and obviously those guys are all older now, but it's like watching it, like just like they used to be so much more athletic and like, you know, Chris Paul's had his hamstring issues and Russ Brooks had his knee issues. And it's just like, it's just sad. Like injuries can really eat us up. Even the guys that are still good are affected by injuries so much. Well, like um, Russ, Russ, like his speed is still the same. And like, I don't think it's affected his speed or any of that, but you can, t- like, he doesn't get up like he used to get up. No, definitely not. And LeBron, also, like, you know. We were talking like, about Blake Griffin might be underrated the other day. I mean, he's been definitely affected by injuries, too. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think he's at a position, though, where, like, it's kind of weird. Like, I think his injuries, at first, they, like, really affected his game because he didn't have that outside. Like, he didn't have the perimeter game. And it kind of forced him to develop that maybe faster than he would have. And I think he's just like a smarter player now. So even though his athleticism, I think it's like, I feel like he's athletically where he should be at age 28. I think he's 28. Like he's where he should be, but his skills now are so much more advanced than they were when he was like 23, 24. And so I don't know, like watching him last year, I was like, dude, I think this is, I think I thought peak Blake Griffin was gone. And I'm like, no, no, I think, I think this is peak Blake. Like, this is it. This is the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, hey, you should fucking, you should fucking Blazers. People were talking about Kevin Love. Like, fuck Kevin Love. Get, get Blake. Go get Blake. Yeah, find true. a way to get Blake. Like, find a way to keep CJ and Dame. If you do that, like, at least, at least you're, Hey, you're giving yourself a puncher's chance. And then, like, look, you see what those three can do. Maybe you determine it's not it. CJ on a big deal like this, like, he probably does have more value now. Um, because teams know, look, you're getting him for four or five years or whatever. Um, you know, maybe, like, I just think it's, he's probably the guy. I, I guess, like, so I guess maybe those are like the three stars. I don't, I, hes- I hesitate to put love there. Though love was actually really good. Again, last year, just health. Again, can he stay healthy? Um, was his position. So, but like, yeah, Blake, Love, and Beal. I guess those are like the three guys you'd consider trading for that are stars. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure how much any of them are game changers, but I guess those would be the three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Well, Budim, it's been it's been a pleasure. Uh, my my first and last appearance on the Posting and Toasting podcast after yeah. uh, the horrible reception this will get. Yeah. It's been an honor and a privilege. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you're working on? Oh, uh, um, kind of. I Any mean, low lights working on? No, no low lights. I mean, I do have. I mean, I'd say the one thing I want, I, I'd plug is, uh, I do think me and my friend are planning on making our own competing podcast. It'll be much better than this, uh, piece of tread. No, um, I, I, I do think that on my YouTube channel, Budam Budam, I might be launching, uh, my own podcast with my friend, uh, Simon Pelsman. Um, so I would, I would drop a subscribe on my YouTube channel, Budam Budam, and a follow my Twitter. The real Buddha, and uh, yeah, that's that's what I'd plug. All right, well, Buddha, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. You have a good night. I'll talk to you, you soon. Too. Sounds good. See you on Slack later, baby. <laughs> Take care.